If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. Well, that's a problem. America, 2016. Is it over yet? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. Not over yet. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM, people-powered radio in L.A., up in Oregon on 91.7 FM, KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 Queso in Cottage Grove, 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 88.5 FM KAKU in Maui, Hawaii, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.9 FM, in uh, Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP, in Bellingham, Washington on KZAX 94.9 FM, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. We're also heard streaming on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, Radio Sputnik, and other fine affiliate partners, both terrestrial and otherwise. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today. We've got a lot to get to, a lot to get through here, uh, but first some breaking news out of South Carolina where a federal jury has convicted Dylan Roth. Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I know everybody calls him Roof, but uh, Dylan Roth in the uh, racially motivated slayings of nine black church members during a June 2015 attack uh, during a church Bible study at the historic Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Wow, June 2015. Uh, it's, that's uh, I didn't realize it was over a year ago. I know it's uh, hard to believe. It, it really is. The the jury reached its verdict today after less than just two hours of deliberations. The 22 year old white supremacist, which some folks now refer to as the alt right, at least when they're talking about Donald Trump and his supporters. Those are the well dressed ones. Indeed, uh, he was uh, uh, convicted on 33 federal charges in the killing of nine black people, including uh, hate crimes and obstruction of the practice of religion. He apparently just uh, stared ahead as the verdict was read, much as uh, he had throughout the trial, according to AP. The jury of nine white and three black people will reconvene early next month to decide whether he should get the uh, death penalty or be sentenced to life in prison. Uh, Now that may, uh, I guess that sounds like good news. Uh, At least there's some accountability there. Uh, It would be good news, except it's probably the best news we have all day today. I shouldn't say that at the top (laughs) of the show. People are going to tune out. But, uh, you know, we, we try to be honest. We try to tell the truth. Uh, in any event, uh, Desi Doyen, uh, you're I, and I always hate to say uh, bad news. And, and now here's Desi Doyen. <laughs> 
And you'll have some more bad news yes, later. Yes, well, no, it, there's some good news in there as in well. In our Green News report coming up a little bit later in the hour, uh, more on the uh, science denier appointments by not-yet-president-elect Donald Trump. Uh, including the super genius that he's tapped to head the nation's nuclear arsenal. Uh, But, no, you're right. Here is some good news. The EPA admits that fracking harms drinking water. See? Seems like bad news, but I guess it's good news that they've admitted it. It's wrapped up in a little pretty package of good news that they admitted. Yes, and I won't notice the, uh, the disturbing news about scientists screaming that the Arctic is absolutely falling apart. We'll just wait till we get to that part. In any event, that's coming up a little bit later in the hour. Uh, here, well, actually, here is some also some good-ish news. This comes from uh, actually late November. Uh, it was something we didn't get to, but I wanted to get to it at the time. Uh, something must have been going on in late November. I can't imagine what it was, but uh, this is important, and it also feeds into uh, uh, our our main uh, story here today. But in Wisconsin, a panel of three federal judges found that Wisconsin's legislature, uh, their two, uh, 2011 redrawing of state assembly districts, favored Republicans in an unconstitutional partisan gerrymander. And it was the first such ruling in three decades of pitched battles over the particular issue. Federal courts have struck down gerrymanders on racial grounds, but not on grounds that they unfairly give advantage to a political party which is the far more common ground, uh, form of gerrymandering. And it's something that has been used by uh, Republicans of late, even in other areas like photo ID restrictions, to say, well, we weren't trying to uh, keep uh, you know black people and Hispanic people from voting. We were just trying to keep Democrats from voting, as if that's okay. And to some extent, it is okay. It is the uh, the Voting Rights Act that they're trying to avoid when they make that argument. And they're trying to make a similar argument here when it comes to gerrymandering. But a federal court in Wisconsin, a three-judge panel in any event, has said that what they did was illegal and unconstitutional. And that means the case can now go directly to the Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court? Correct. Okay. Uh, where its fate may rest uh, with uh, just a- Anthony Kennedy, who has expressed a willingness to strike down partisan gerrymanders, but uh, they're trying to find a, 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 a rationale to, uh, to, to explain it, to accept it. They've got to come up with a, a legal reason to say why partisan gerrymanders are actually illegal and unconstitutional, and the federal court now in Wisconsin may have... Uh, come up with such a reasoning. Should the uh, U- uh, the U.S. Supreme Court affirm the ruling, it could upend the next round of state redistricting, which happens in 2021. Right after the next census in 2020. Correct. Uh, for uh, congressional and state uh, elections nationwide, most of which are likely to be conducted now by Republican-controlled legislatures that have swept into power in, uh, in, in, in no small part due to this type of gerrymandering. Several election scholars have said that the ruling was uh, particularly significant because it offers for the first time a clear mathematical formula for measuring partisanship in a district, something that had been missing in previous uh, assaults on gerrymandering. And that's something that the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, at least Anthony Kennedy, has been asking for. The two-to-one ruling by the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Wisconsin said that the legislature's remapping violated both the First Amendment and the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment 
because it aimed to deprive specifically to deprive Democratic voters of their right to be represented. Although Wisconsin's natural political geography plays some role in the in the apportionment process, the court wrote, it simply does not adequately explain the sizable disparate effect of Republican gains in the state assembly after these new boundaries were redrawn. The boundaries of both federal and state legislative districts are redrawn every 10 years, as you mentioned, and the, uh, after the census to ensure that each district contains roughly the same number of people. But if you've ever looked at a partisan redistricting map, and this is true even when uh, uh, Democrats draw them, they are these you know crazy, sprawling uh, districts meant to group together uh, Republicans or Democrats or black people or white people. And uh, when it's done uh, racially, that has already been determined to be unconstitutional. But now uh, this ruling determines that a, a partisan gerrymander is also unconstitutional. We'll keep our eyes on that as it goes to the uh, to the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. And one of the things just really quickly about this is that this shows why the 2018 elections are so important. The midterm elections for which Democrats and young people tend not to show up uh, as is in great numbers as they do for presidential elections. And so when you have your opportunity to to elect your state representatives, 2018 is a good time. Well, it it matters, but it's hard to make it matter when they've redrawn these districts to make it uh, so difficult to actually change the partisan makeup of the state assembly. It is difficult. And that is also what was done in uh, in North Carolina. So uh, that story that I uh, just shared with you from uh, Wisconsin, that was uh, the third week in November. One week later, a federal court in North Carolina ordered the state to hold a special legislative election next year. That following uh, 28 state House and Senate districts uh, found to have been with redrawn to comply with a gerrymandering ruling. U.S. District Court judges earlier this year had thrown out the current legislative district map, ruling that 28 of them were unconstitutional racial gerrymanders in this case. They nonetheless allowed the 2016 elections to proceed under those old maps, but they have now ordered uh, state legislators to draw new districts in 2017 and hold a special election. That settles the question of whether new districts would take effect for the regularly scheduled 2018 election you mentioned, Desi Doyen. Uh, or if a special election would be required. Well, now it will be a special election in 2017 in North Carolina. The three-judge federal panel wrote in their order that while special elections have costs, those costs pale in comparison to the injury caused by allowing citizens to continue to be represented, I should say misrepresented, by legislators uh, elected pursuant to a racial gerrymander. And yet, That's been going on for years now in North Carolina since they redrew the maps after the uh, 2010 uh, census. The order gives uh, the the state assembly until March 15 to draw new district maps. Every legislator whose district is altered will have their current term shortened. So everyone in the House, uh, potentially, because as they redraw these maps, it's likely to shake up more than 28 
uh, of these districts. So everyone in the House uh, and the Senate in North Carolina could be facing a special election in just a few months. Republican legislators who oversee redistricting, of course, blasted the decision. After it came out, they called it a politically motivated decision by the court, which would effectively undo the will of millions of North Carolinians just days after they had cast their ballots. This was back in November, right? Uh, it, It is a gross overreach that blatantly disregards the constitutional guarantee for voters to duly elect their legislators to biennial two-year terms. That's uh, the statement from uh, uh, Rep. David Lewis and Senator Bob Rucho uh, in their press release after the uh, court decision from the U.S. District Court. Uh, If the Supreme Court hears the case and overturns the ruling, the special election would be canceled and the current districts would then be restored for the 2018 election. So they get away with this for decades at a time. Now, why am I bringing this up now? This came out in uh, late November. Well, A, we were busy with uh, a few things uh, in late November, but also because of what is now going on in North Carolina that is absolutely breathtaking. Yes, we spent a lot of time on this show uh, over the past year or two talking about North Carolina, and there's a reason. Because they are, in fact, leading the nation in right-wing extremism. And that's really what it is. Remember, these guys uh, who were upset about uh, this uh, effectively undoing the will of millions of North Carolinians just days after they cast their ballots back in November. Remember that? Uh, Well, what's going on today in North Carolina is uh, just breathtaking. Remember, so all of that that I've just uh, read to you, the outrage from the Republicans. That came after the November election when uh, Republican Donald Trump and Republican U.S. Senator Richard Burr had had both won the state. But at that time, voters also voted a Democratic judge onto the state Supreme Court, tipping the balance of the state's high court towards the Democrats. And for the first time in state history, it rejected the sitting governor. It rejected the state's incumbent governor, Republican Pat McCrory, by almost 10,000 votes in what was a very close race out of about 4 million votes cast in North Carolina. But uh, McCrory uh, went on for several weeks uh, claiming that there was massive voter fraud in the state. We talked about that on the show. His claims were almost entirely rejected by both the uh, Republican majority state board of election and by the Republican majority county boards of election. In North Carolina, both the state uh, board of election and the county board of election are headed up. They're uh, odd numbered uh, uh, boards that are headed up by whoever Uh, whichever party uh, owns the governor's mansion, essentially. McCrory, the Republican governor, had for several weeks called for a statewide recount, which we supported, by the way, because we think that voters should be able to verify their votes, that they were counted accurately. Even supporters of the abhorrent Republican governor, uh, uh, Pat McCrory, but eventually McCrory conceded that race to the Democratic Attorney General Roy Cooper. So it's with all of that background, then, that the state legislature, 
The state assembly uh, in North Carolina, which still, by the way, has a super majority. They've got a super majority. They can uh, overrule anything any uh, Democratic governor, incoming Democratic governor has to say, at least for now, at least until that special election happens. But for now, they've got a super majority. And so with all of that, they called an emergency session this week. Initially, it was to vote on funding for hurricane disaster aid following October's uh, Hurricane Matthew. But after that work was done, after they approved $200 million in disaster relief, the Republican uh, Assembly, uh, the, the unlawfully gerrymandered Republican legislature, the unlawfully gerrymandered lame duck Republican legislature immediately called another emergency session without telling anyone that it was going to happen. And they immediately began adding in bills to largely dismantle the powers that the new Democratic governor, Roy Cooper, would have enjoyed after he is sworn in as the uh, as the new governor next month. I mean, it has amounted to in the last 24 hours in North Carolina uh, to what some are calling a coup or one, uh, and, and one of the most extraordinarily audacious power grabs, sore loser power grabs ever attempted by a state general assembly. So uh, looking at what what they've actually done, what they're actually proposing to do, what they're actually trying to ram through in this emergency session beyond the disaster recovery legislation that they had approved on Wednesday, Republican lawmakers quickly proposed sweeping changes to state government, including proposals that would diminish the governor's authority to make appointments. This, according to the Raleigh News and Observer, lawmakers are, are trying to hobble the incoming Democratic governor before he takes office on January 1 by making his cabinet appointments now subject to approval by the state Senate for by the state Senate for the first time in state history, cutting his ability to appoint members uh, to, amongst other places, uh, the University of North Carolina School Board, uh, Board of Trustees. One proposal in the mix, they say, would equally divide election boards. I'll get to that. Remember those election boards that I said were headed by Republicans until now? Well, now they would be evenly divided between the two major political parties if this moves forward, ending control by the governor's party. And another provision would cut the number of employees who serve at the government, governor's pleasure from 1,500 down to 300. That reversing an expansion that was approved specifically for the Republican governor, Pat McCrory, at the start of his term. So, fun fact, when McCrory was first elected and replaced uh, then-Democratic Governor Bev Perdue, the Republican-controlled legislature expanded the number of gubernatorial appointments from 500 to 1,500, allowing uh, Pat McCrory to cede the entire state government and all the state commissions with damn near anybody he wanted, 1,500 appointees, uh, and now... The Republicans are trying to reverse that and only allow the new Democratic governor to appoint 300 people. So I guess all of those other people who have been hired by the Republicans, they will stay. They will burrow in and they will run Republican uh, the, the they state government. Yes, yeah. They will implement those Republican policies and be in a position to not implement the Democratic governor's policies. Correct. 
Two dozen bills uh, were filed late on Wednesday. Uh, the ones most likely to move forward uh, represent a significant shakeup by the Republican-controlled legislature. The uh, Republican House Rules Committee chair said, I, th- I think to be candid with you, what you uh, that you will see the General Assembly look to reassert its constitutional authority in areas that may have been previously delegated delegated." To the executive branch, adding that uh, legislators will, quote, work to establish that we are going to continue to be a relevant party in governing this state. Mind you, they have a supermajority, as is. They currently have a supermajority. They can pass anything they want, even after January, and the new Democratic governor can veto it. And they can override his veto with their supermajority. And yet they're in there fighting now to remain relevant, to remain a relevant party in in governing this state. When total when total power is just not good enough. Exactly. They still want more. House Democratic leader uh, uh, Larry Hall said that Republicans were trying to nullify the vote of the people. And remember what I read you about uh, these very same Republicans uh, blasting the federal court for this uh, redistricting, saying that it would effectively undo the will of millions of North Carolinians just days after they cast their ballots. Well, now Republicans are trying to uh, effectively undo the will of millions of North Carolinas just a month after they had cast their ballots. Uh, Roy Cooper, for his part, uh, said that uh, the General Assembly should focus on higher teacher pay, better wages for working North Carolinians, and repeal HB2, the uh, anti-LGBT legislation that was passed by McCrory that cost hundreds of jobs, uh, if not more. Uh, millions of dollars to the state of North Carolina and is uh, one of the reasons that Pat McCrory was run out of office. So uh, Cooper, uh, you know, talking about they should uh, focus on higher teacher pay and better wages. Of course they should. But that's not the Republican Party at this point in 2016. They are playing by completely different rules. Frankly, they are playing a completely different game than Democrats are in North Carolina, in Washington, D.C., and frankly, across the country. Uh, the uh, the Republican uh, House Rules Committee chair said that some of the appointments and election board changes were prompted by Cooper's election, he admitted. Some of the stuff we're doing, obviously, if the election results were different, we might not be moving quite as fast. Yeah, you think? They are playing a different game than Democrats are. Democrats need to figure this out all across the country. Uh, on the uh, the proposed Senate role in confirming cabinet members, uh, Lewis said, we believe firmly that it's important for the legislature to be able to work with and communicate with the governor and the governor's cabinet selections. The framers of the Constitution felt that the Senate confirmation was important. Well, that sounds reasonable, except that's not what they have been doing under Republican uh, governors and then in previous years under Democratic governors. They just haven't done that. So now, all of a sudden, not only are they going to limit who uh, the, the number of employees and appointments that uh, Governor Cooper can make, the incoming governor, the Democratic governor, but now those people are going to be subject to approval by the Republican Senate. 
But this is getting this gets worse. So the standby. <laughs> this is we haven't even got. So uh, he, uh, uh, Lewis, the Republican, said we're trying to reaffirm that our state employees are in fact professionals. But the governor and the council of states still have the right to pick their top advisors. So they can pick the people at the top, but all the people hired by the Republicans with no Senate confirmation, those people get to stay. Now we get to the part that's even worse. Uh, I had mentioned uh, the boards of elections. Uh, the, the governor, uh, this is just amazing. Uh, <laughs> on the board of elections, uh, it will be changed from what uh, there had been uh, uh, two different commissions here. There was the state board of elections and the state ethics commission. And now the Republicans are trying to merge those two boards. And in doing so, Change the state board of elections from a five-person uh, uh, commission to an eight-person commission with four Democrats and four Republicans. Previously, it had been a five-person board, again, headed by whatever the party of the, the governor was. But now they're going to change that to make it a bipartisan four-to-four state election board. I hear deadlocks coming. The bill would also change the makeup of the county election boards from the current three member boards, uh, two of which belong to the party of the governor, to four members, um, four member boards with an equal partisan split. Right. Gridlock, you mentioned coming on these boards. Deadlock equals gridlock. Yeah, yes. well, they, they, they have a solution for that. Now, it might make sense upon hearing this that, well, they, they're going to evenly split the 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 election boards. That's fair. Previously, it had been, uh, you know, the Republicans, when they were uh, in power, they could run anything through those election boards they wanted. Democrats could do the same. Now it's going to be uh, even Stephen. Well, that might make sense, frankly, had it not been so off balance for so many years. But here's how they decide. Here's how they avoid that gridlock. Uh, there, uh, there will be one of the one of the two parties, either the Republicans or the Democrats, um, will will chair the uh, these so-called bipartisan boards in different years. So Republicans, they're being fair about that, right? They'll split it up. Sometimes it's Republicans, sometimes it's Democrats. Well, according to the bill filed, they would rotate back and forth, rotate years with Democrats chairing the committees, the election committees, whether it's the state board of election or whether it's the county board of elections, the uh, the Democrats will chair the committees in odd numbered years and Republicans will chair the election committees in even numbered years. You're probably ahead of me on this one. Uh, that means that the presidential election years, the congressional election years, the gubernatorial election years, they will all have, according to state law, Republican chairs in charge of the election committees in those years, with the exception of the court ordered special legislative election for 2017 that we discussed and a couple of school boards and municipality uh, elections. All elections in North Carolina are held in even years when now the Republicans will chair all of the state election commissions if this bill goes forward. It's a pretty neat cheat when you think about it. You think? And it's even worse. In deciding uh, disputes and resolving issues on these evenly balanced uh, 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 boards of election, a simple majority of five of the eight votes won't get you a squat, apparently. They are also, according to this bill, changing it so that a majority vote for action requires six of the eight members. Oh, my God. Back to your gridlock, Desi. 
That's exactly what this is meant to do, to basically freeze things in place any way they can. And by the way, the bill also undermines a good chunk of the Secretary of State's current authority. The Secretary of State doesn't actually have all that much authority uh, in, uh, for elections in, uh, in the state of North Carolina. This bill would undermine uh, the Secretary of State's current authority who, surprise, just won re-election as a Democrat. The uh, <laughs> this and, and it gets worse. Uh, a Senate bill that is proposed here would shift power from the uh, from the North Carolina Supreme Court that will be controlled by Democrats. As I mentioned earlier, it will uh, shift some of that power from the uh, from the Supreme Court to the 15 member state court of appeals that has a Republican majority. Lawmakers propose removing the right to make a constitutional challenge in a direct appeal straight to the state Supreme Court. Instead, a process. Uh, and by the way, that was approved by the Republican led legislature when it had control of both of the uh, legislative chambers and the government governor's office. And it had a four to three majority on the state's highest court. At that point, they decided if you had a constitutional challenge, you could go straight to the state Supreme Court. That was then. This is now. Now they're changing it under at least under a bill introduced on Wednesday. Any such cases uh, would first have to be heard by all 15 members of the Court of Appeals, the Republican Court of Appeals, uh, before the uh, state's highest court could review the challenge. That's quite a gauntlet that would have to be run for anybody. And, well, it, 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 listen, that happens in some places. They say, oh, you got to go to the uh, to the appeals court first. OK, but they had changed it when they had a Republican uh, uh, majority on the Supreme Court. And now they're changing it back now that they lost it. They are stealing that court. They are stealing this entire state. They are playing by entirely different rules than Democrats play by. Uh, this is uh, there was uh, talk, by the way, that they were that they were going to expand the state Supreme Court now that the uh, Democrats uh, gained the majority, that they were going to add two more seats and allow Republican uh, Governor Pat McCrory before he leaves office at the end of the month to add uh, two more Republican appointees to it. That one is off. Instead, they're doing this. Instead of court packing, uh, uh, instead of a court packing bill. Uh, said Anita Earls, director of the Southern Coalition for Social Justice. They have represented many challengers uh, to the General Assembly's election law changes since 2013. Uh, they said instead, she said, instead of a court packing bill, it appears we've got a court denial bill. This proposal seems to delay Supreme Court review of cases, including those involving citizens' constitutional rights, for example, concerning voting. Unconstitutional laws could now be in effect for years before the state Supreme Court would finally get the case and make a ruling. Just the way this unconstitutional uh, state assembly has been in place and making rules for years since they unconstitutionally uh, partisan uh, put this partisan gerrymander in place to give them the supermajority that they are now using and abusing in North Carolina. Uh, there was more to this, but it is just absolutely amazing what is going on. Uh, obviously, uh, Democrats are, are criticizing uh, the session because for one reason, 
Three-fifths of the legislators in both chambers have to sign a petition to call a special session. And apparently, so this session began on Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m., but the petition that was signed by three-fifths of the legislators was dated Monday. So they knew they were going to do this as of Monday, and they didn't tell any of the Democrats that this was going to happen. They knew for two days that there would be a new session, a new emergency session. And Democrats are challenging it on that basis alone at this point, because not only did they not know this special session was this emergency session was coming, they had no idea about any of these bills, these dozens and dozens of bills that were suddenly dropped after they announced it. Uh, Governor Pat McCrory, who is still in charge for a few more weeks uh, and could sign these bills if they pass, uh, he's on the way out the door. He hasn't said whether he'll sign it or not. But one of the uh, the Democrats, a U.S. Congressman David Price, said in a statement, American democracy may be more fragile than we realized. Oh, do you think? Roy Cooper said this is about thwarting the gover governor's ability to move us forward. Oh, do you think? Most people, he said, think that this is a partisan power grab. Oh, do you think? Hundreds of people packed the uh, Capitol in rally on uh, in Thursday to express their concern about how this uh, hurricane relief emergency session was being turned into a, uh, a, 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 a partisan uh, a politics play. But some Democrats are having deja vu. The last time Republican lawmakers called a high profile special session was back in March when they ended up ramming through one of the state's most controversial laws in recent memory. That was the bill limiting what public bathroom transgender people could use and municipalities uh, ability to pass anti-discrimination laws for LGBT people. That was following after the Republicans jammed through what is regarded as the worst voter suppression law since the Jim Crow era, much of which has now been thankfully uh, knocked down by the federal courts as being unconstitutional. But yeah, it's a coup. Yeah, it's a power grab. Republicans play for keeps. Democrats continue bringing butter knives to automatic assault rifle fights that are being waged right now by Republicans all over the country and at the federal level. And these fights, I got to say, are very difficult to win when the people that you are playing against have absolutely no interest in rules. They're not even playing fair. It's very difficult to negotiate and win with someone who is uh, not uh, an honest broker. But that's who we're dealing with now at, uh, at, at both the federal and the state level. And Democrats need to wake up and figure that out. I don't pretend to know what the solution here is. But this is going to get much worse before it gets better. Republicans in state after state are fighting like hell to make sure that this happens everywhere to make it impossible for Democrats to legislate even when they win elections. I'll have more on that after this break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. <laughs> This is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Brad.
podcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, Desi, do, do you have that um, that uh, that Denzel Washington uh, oh, clip yeah. handy? This is uh, I, I think this was today. Is this t- was this today? actually this do was you know? yesterday? Yesterday. This is uh, Denzel Washington uh, at, at some premiere or it's another. at the premiere of his uh, his. Uh, they're doing a revival of Fences. Okay. Well, he was asked about the problem of uh, of fake news. And and not just uh, not just by the fake news purveyors, at least the way he responded, uh, but also by the corporate media, which has a tendency to wildly disinform and misinform the American people as they uh, as they did all throughout the election cycle and as they continue to do today uh, and as they uh, continue to not focus on things that matter. They look at the biggest shiny object and they misreport on it. Uh, and and they don't wait to figure out what's actually going on and what's not going on. And, you know, ignoring so much of the stuff that we try to cover every day on this show that has effects for years and decades at a time. Anyway, uh, here was uh, Denzel Washington uh, uh, yesterday. What is the long-term effect of too much information? One of the effects is the need to be first, not even to be true anymore. So what a responsibility you all have to be to tell the truth, not just to be first, but to tell the truth. We live in a society now where it's just first. Who cares? Get it out there. We don't care who it hurts. We don't care who we destroy. We don't care if it's true. Just say it. Sell it. Anything you practice, you'll get good at, including BS. Well, they have gotten very good at BS, it seems to me, and very good at not uh, focusing on the things that matter. Here's something that matters. Um, Again, from uh, late November, one of these items that I've been trying to get to that I haven't been able to. uh, A former screenwriting partner, uh, apparently, of Steve Bannon, who is now Donald Trump's senior aide? What's he called? The political uh, political director, chief advisor. Chief advisor. Yeah, he, he's basically the white supremacist uh, Carl, Carl Rove. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, is what he is. Uh, he used to run uh, Breitbart. He said uh, this uh, screenwriting partner of Bannon said that uh, Bannon had once mused that it might be beneficial to restrict African American voting access. This is the guy, the, the 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 chief political consultant in the White House, if Donald Trump ever gets there. Writer Julia Jones had told The New York Times in an interview that uh, Bannon uh, is, uh, I guess his name is, uh, well, the, the position is chief White House strategist. There you go. Bannon would occasionally claim that some people were genetically superior and once had suggested that the vote should be limited to property owners. Jones uh, said, uh, said that she told Bannon that such a policy would exclude a lot of African-Americans. And apparently, according to Jones, Bannon replied, maybe that's not such a bad thing. Jones said, well, hey, what about your longtime executive assistant? Uh, who happens to be black, uh, he said, well, she's different. She's family. Oh, boy. 
Uh, so uh, that's the way that the guy who's going to be uh, Donald Trump's chief strategist thinks. And um, that should work out very well because that's actually the way Republicans across much of the country now think about voting. Ari Berman uh, reported uh, a week or so ago that less than a month after Trump's un, uh, Trump unexpectedly carried Michigan by just over 10,000 votes, Republicans in that state legislature were already pushing to make it harder to vote in the state of Michigan. And they were trying to uh, jam through a strict photo ID law, restriction law, uh, through the lame duck legislative session before the end of the year. Under the current Michigan law, a voter who does not present photo ID at the polls can sign an affidavit confirming who they are under penalty of perjury. And then they can cast a regular ballot. But under this new bill, which passed the House Elections uh, uh, Committee on a five to three party line vote uh, on the first day of the month, Voters without that strict ID would now have to cast a provisional ballot and then they would have to return to the local clerk's office within 10 days of the election with a photo ID in order to have their vote counted. Now, mind you, even if we go by the uh, uh, the, the numbers that we have out of Michigan, where they were running this recount, even while they were passing this law, they were trying, trying to recount the, the votes in the state of Michigan. That recount was stopped, was obstructed. The Republican Party uh, went to court and, and did everything they could to get it to stop, despite tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of votes that could not be recounted due to uh, Michigan's terrible election law that we've been talking about for the last several weeks. And that's after all of the ballots across Michigan have never been counted by human beings. They were run. They were counted only by computers in a presidential election that for the first time in decades went to the Republicans by a mere 10,000 votes. Well, in this past election, according to uh, Ari Berman, uh, a little bit over 18,000 people had voted without having the uh, the photo ID now required and had to use the affidavit option to vote. At least they were able to cast normal ballot ballots. But that's 18,000 people. That's 8,000 more votes uh, than uh, Trump's reported margin of victory in the state of Michigan. One third of the affidavits come from Detroit, where Hillary Clinton won 67 percent of the vote in Wayne County. <clears throat> Trump's uh, discredited lie that millions voted illegally in 2016 seems to be impacting a Republican actions in the state, in the state of Michigan and elsewhere. GOP uh, state uh, state rep Lisa Lyons, who sponsored this bill to make it harder to vote in the state of Michigan, said a multi uh, what she say a multitude of candidates have raised the concerns about the integrity of elections. We need to respond to those questions. We're going to make sure that we're protecting you, all voters, and the integrity of the election. I guess she said this with a straight face, because remember, during while this uh, attempt at a hand count was going on, that same Republican Party was going to court and saying there was no fraud in the state of Michigan. There is no fraud. As Berman says, uh, Michigan GOP on the recount, no evidence of fraud. Michigan GOP on voter ID, fraud, fraud, fraud. <clears throat> but they don't care. They don't care that they're lying to the people. 
because they can pretty much count on uh, the media not pointing out these uh, these these hypocrisies. Yeah, who's going to the stop them? Party. Who's going to stop? Nobody's going to stop them now. I mean, look, we still don't have a Supreme yep. Court justice in over, you know, in, it's yep. been nearly a year. And the media has completely, the corporate media, I should say, has completely dropped that they've, whole they've idea. They've moved on. Oh, yeah. You know, they've moved over. on because, oh, did you see what Donald Trump did today? Uh, <clears throat> like Trump, uh, Berman notes, uh, Lyons presented absolutely no evidence of voter impersonation or other types of fraud to justify the bill. And then she passed the bill in her committee after just two days of testimony when the rest of the state was otherwise preoccupied with the recount. And uh, (laughs) what was amazing was that the uh, Michigan election officials, they were busy working on this aborted recount at the time, so they couldn't even come and testify. There was just one uh, election official who was able to come into the uh, Michigan legislature to, to testify on this. Kent County Clerk Mary Hollenrake said, I'm about the only clerk who can be here today because of the massive recount we're preparing for. This comes as a large surprise. We have not had time to look at these bills. So that's what they're doing. They're surprised. They're dropping these bills out of nowhere when uh, Democrats are completely flat footed and can do nothing about it. And it's not just in North Carolina and it's not just in Michigan. It's up in uh, up in New Hampshire as well. Newly elected GOP Governor Chris Sununu has called for eliminating same day registration in New Hampshire. Despite the lack of uh, fraud, apparently caused by same day registration in New Hampshire. And Republicans in the state legislature also want to tighten the residency requirements for who gets to vote, who gets to vote and who doesn't get to vote. Uh, In Wisconsin, Republican leaders called for cutting early voting again after a, a, a high early voting turnout in Democratic cities like Madison and uh, Milwaukee said, you know, led the Republicans to say, we've got to do something about this. People are using it to vote. (laughs) House Speaker Robin Voss said, we're probably going to have to look at it again to make sure that everybody in the state has the same chance to vote. It's all about fairness. In Texas, uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick has called for uh, reviving the state's strict photo ID law, which has been repeatedly struck down by court after court after court, state court, federal court, appellate courts. It's been found to be discriminatory. Uh, over and over again, and yet uh, he he listed uh, uh, reviving that law, that, uh, that that disenfranchising, racially disenfranchising law. He's talked about reviving that as one of his top ten priorities for the 2017 legislative session. Saying, I know we're going to do photo voter ID again. You better get some of our old uh, uh, rerun shows ready, Desi Doy, and we'll, we'll be able to run those <laughs> like crazy in 2017, and they will still be accurate. They will still be true. Hey, there's a method to that madness, because it means that, yeah, sure, it's been struck down, but if you redo it, it will take that many years again to strike it down, and oh, what yep. damage you can do in the meantime. So Democrats, uh, pay attention. Uh, not just Democratic voters, but Democratic lawmakers. You are being hosed. You are being played. You are being pwned, as the kids say, in every single regard. You are playing with people who are not only uh, not playing by the rules. They don't think there are rules. They don't think the rules apply to them. Who is going to stop them? 
nobody right now. I was hoping you were going to say you were. <laughs> we did have, uh, you know, a, a question about who will stop them. Uh, you know, where where is the leadership in the Democratic Party? There really is none right now. We had a question yesterday, uh, email uh, to uh, bradcast at bradblog.com about exactly that. And I've got no good answer. I um, uh, there's some question about uh, what to do on the Supreme Court uh, and and some various things that could be done if uh, Democrats had the balls to do it. Uh, but I don't think we have time for that. Unfortunately, now it's going to have to wait until uh, until I'm back uh, after our next thrilling uh, broadcast uh, because we got to take a quick break and get to the Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the broadcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. I'd like to say the uh, who's going to stop them. The answer to your question, Desi Doyen, is is the Supreme Court. Um, and uh, uh, Nicole Sandler is going to be in for us tomorrow. So I, I won't be able to get to that tomorrow. But uh, on our next thrilling episode, maybe we will. Some talk about what to do about the Supreme Court, which has been stolen. And I'm not one of these guys who runs out and yells, stolen elections on this and that. But if everything moves forward as it looks like it is going to, this uh, Supreme Court has been stolen, has been stolen by the Republicans who didn't bother with the didn't bother with the rules, didn't bother with the norms, didn't bother with the tradition, didn't bother with the, the Constitution that says the sitting president gets to uh, fill a Supreme Court vacancy. They just said, nope, we're making our own rules. We're not going to hold a vote. We're not going to even meet with this uh, with this nominee, Merrick Garland. We're just going to steal the Supreme Court and let the American people, the American people should get to decide. Well, guess what? The American people decided they wanted Hillary Clinton as president. So shouldn't the American people also get to uh, decide who the next Supreme Court justice will be? Going by the Republicans' own thinking? Anyway... I said we didn't have time to talk about that. We don't, because <laughs> we have to get to it. Our latest Green News Report. Yes, our climate's changed. They've been changing for uh, ever, ever since the, uh, the Earth was born. Trump taps former Texas Governor Rick Perry to head the nation's nuclear arsenal? Over-regulation, excessive regulation, excessive bureaucracy is stifling our ability to, to innovate. Trump's pick for Interior Department, not a fan of oil and gas regulations. EPA now says fracking does harm drinking water supplies. Plus, the Arctic is unraveling. 
All of that unraveling and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The Department of Energy, I believe, has the highest ratio of PhDs per employee of any of the agencies because it's doing all of this physics and energy research and weapons research. And so it's a good thing that Rick Perry got those glasses that made him smart. Yes, it is. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I'm just wondering if former Texas Governor Rick Perry will finally learn how to say the word nuclear now that he's been tapped to head up the nation's nuclear arsenal. <laughs> yes, yes, one would hope. It's true, Donald Trump has selected former Texas governor and fellow Republican presidential candidate Rick Perry to head the Department of Energy. This is the same Rick Perry who once famously forgot he wanted to abolish the Department of Energy. The third agency of government, yeah. I would I would do away with the education, uh, the uh, <laughs> commerce. I, I, commerce, and let's see... I can't. The third. Sorry. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Apparently, the Department of Energy is so inconsequential that he can't even remember its name. <laughs> well, hopefully he knows that it's not focused on oil and gas, but instead on managing the nation's nuclear weapons and advanced physics research. Not really his area of expertise. What is his area of expertise? That's a good question. The Energy Department researches climate change, but Perry is a climate science denier who calls climate change contrived and phony. When Texas was grappling with record drought a few years ago, Perry's response as governor was to call for three days of prayer. Oh, like that didn't work. Meanwhile, the current Department of Energy has responded to a chilling questionnaire sent by the Trump transition team requesting that they name names of scientists and employees who worked on climate issues, but the department has bluntly refused to comply. The Trump camp now says that questionnaire was, quote, unauthorized. Sure it was. Donald Trump's pick to head the Interior Department is a first-term congressman from Montana, a Republican representative named Ryan Zinke. Interior regulates the nation's natural resources sources, public lands, and oil and gas drilling. Zinke is an avid hunter who is strongly against the push by some Republicans to transfer federal public lands to the states. Well, that's good. But he does support loosening regulations on domestic fossil fuel production and accelerating fossil fuel exports. Not as good. Some of these rules that are being made are being made by unelected bureaucrats that don't even know where Montana is in the map. I, do, I think we do need to export liquid natural gas. Zinke is also a soft climate science denier, meaning he acknowledges that it's happening, but he objects to doing anything about it. And that makes him a denier. Speaking of climate change, the latest Arctic report card released Tuesday by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration is alarming. The Arctic just had its hottest year ever recorded, six degrees Fahrenheit warmer than in 1900. Oh. Record high monthly temperatures were set in the winter months when it is darkest and the Arctic should be actually very cold. In a statement, the scientists said the Arctic used to, quote, whisper change, but now it is shouting. Well, maybe, but in the world of Trump, 
No one can hear you scream. All of Trump's cabinet picks support expanding fossil fuels and oppose action on climate change. Joe Rome, founding editor of Climate Progress and himself a physicist and former assistant secretary of the Department of Energy, on the broadcast this week notes that Trump campaigned on gutting climate science programs and research. So environmental groups will now have to redouble their efforts. We clearly are going to have to make a stand because... uh, uh, you know, it is, it is literally the fate of the next thousand years, the irreversible nature of climate change that will be decided uh, in the course of Trump's administration. Oh, we can worry about that later. Finally, the EPA has revised its draft report on fracking and now says fracking does harm drinking water in some circumstances, a significant reversal that has angered the oil and gas industry. The revision came after the EPA's independent science advisory panel said the evidence did not support a widely publicized claim in the EPA's draft version that downplayed fracking impacts as not widespread or systemic. But in this final version of the report, the EPA now acknowledges fracking operations can harm drinking water. I'm sure we'll correct that record soon. For much more on all of these reports and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. I told you we were going to have trouble on, on this episode of the broadcast. Uh, Des, before we get out, you had a, a quick follow-up on that EPA matter where the EPA has finally admitted that, yes, in fact, uh, fracking can harm dr- our drinking water supplies. Right. That, that, that report that they had revised, that draft report in 2015, was, re- was somehow somebody edited it. It's said to be a higher-up EPA official. Nobody knows who. Nobody knows exactly when they did it, but they changed the press releases to make it sound like the EPA had concluded that the fracking drinking water impacts were not widespread and were not systemic, so don't worry about it. That was widely touted in the in the media, and since then the uh, evidence has come out that 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 forced the EPA to revise that and say so no, that's was not, not true. They did a study. This is they found this stuff, and then they added to the press release this information to yeah. say it's it's information that it's was fine. not in the actual study. Right, it was counter to it, and nobody knows who did it. Right, and now it's been revised, so that's good. But it's not getting the same play in the media for some reason a- mm. as it did a year ago when they said no, uh, no problem with fracking and drinking water. Yep. Well, you know what? Uh, Kanye West is meeting with Donald Trump, so that's got to be covered. You know, that's that story, that breaking news story is not going to cover itself. Priorities. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's greatly appreciated. My thanks also to all of you who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we try to do five days a week right here on the Bradcast. Thank you very much. You can drop me an email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And you can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Bradblog. As I said, Nicole Sandler is back guest hosting the Bradcast in our next thrilling episode. We will see you thereafter on the day the Electoral College casts its votes next Monday. That could be a big day, or it could just be a regular day. We'll find out then. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. 
Good luck, world.